What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent those of any organization including one generation away. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. President Joe Biden is in hot water once again with the discovery that he himself possessed classified documents in a storage cupboard, much like that of former President Donald Trump. But what is the DOJ going to do about it? What are the papers saying? Welcome back to Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'm your host, Mark Angelides. On today's fun-filled show, we'll be speaking with Scott D. Casenza to discuss specifically what the DOJ is preparing to do about Joe Biden's foibles. We'll also be discussing the price of eggs and what's happening in the new GOP-led house. And remember, Liberty Nation Radio is sponsored by LibertyNation.com, where you can access podcasts, breaking news, analysis, and a range of biting and brilliant shows to whet your appetite for freedom and your fondness for the great American constitution. It appears President Joe Biden has been found with his hand in the classified documents cookie jar, as it were. Now, is this a Winnie the Pooh faux pas, or is it something more serious? We are very fortunate to have with us on our first segment today, Liberty Nation's legal affairs editor, man about town, general connoisseur of all things wonderful, and uh, host of the excellent Uprising podcast, Mr. Scott D. Casenza. Scott, how are you, and sir? And president of the Foie Gras Defense League. Uh, president of the Foie Gras Defense League. Right. Self-appointed. I, I wonder if such a thing exists. And uh, if so, did <clears throat> Joe Biden have documents on that stashed away in his office? Now, this is the, the big story of the week, clearly, Scott. Uh, Joe Biden apparently had classified documents. And if I just may quote somebody uh, of, of great wisdom on this, who could be that irresponsible? Now, who do you think it, that quotes it, it from? Shocks. Well, I know that that's from uh, President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Res- and yeah, uh, responding to the fact that uh, Donald Trump had classified documents uh, locked away in a closet, which Joe Biden's now done. Tell me, say it ain't the same, Scott. Well, I've been reeling since I heard the news, Mark. It, uh, <laughs> it shocks the conscience, to be sure. Uh, yeah, it, I, this is a nothing burger when it was for Donald Trump and it's a nothing burger for uh, Joe Biden, legally speaking. Uh, But uh, when we turn all the laws uh, like pretzels or, you know, to twist and turn to attack our enemies, no matter their intended purpose or the actual, you know, quote unquote crime committed, I suppose turnabout is fair play and uh, turnabout there is. Yeah, it it certainly seems that uh, I I guess the phrase hoisted by his own uh, hypocritical petard is probably uh, quite quite applicable in this situation. Now, I think it might if surprise for a lot of people. Standards, Mark, they'd have no standards at all. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Casenza and Groucho Marx. Mm-hmm. I believe that was. Um, I think it might surprise many people when you say that the initial one, uh, the initial situation with Donald Trump, was also 
a nothing burger because obviously we've seen uh, in the the gushing headlines of the there has been some press. ink spilled over the uh, over the matter. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. that is a uh, column inches galore. I mean yeah. they might even have to move on to the metric system to to keep that going. But it's not really a big issue in your opinion. Why is that? What's your legal uh, mind sure. tell you? The, uh, the president of the United States has the ability to classify or declassify any document he chooses at any time. Now, this is while that person is president, I'm referring to, yes. not necessarily after they've left office. Or before, uh, let's be clear. Let's just, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. just nip that one <laughs> right. in the bud before we, yeah. we get there. But yes, or before. You know, there are mechanisms that have been put in place via executive order for the orderly declassification of documents in a way that sort of those people that have access to these things can kind of track and follow. But that's not a matter of federal law, which can be then broken by the president, and it's not a, a part of the Constitution. The executive is the president in, in, in so many ways, and what the president says or does goes. And so the term uh, that, I, that I think is kind of funny I've seen written about is uh, that he telepathically uh, declassify the documents. And, and that gives the, the notion that somehow Donald Trump had to file the proper forms mm. if he wanted to declassify them. And that is not reflected that I can see anywhere in the law and certainly not in the Constitution. If the president of the United States on his last day in office wants to walk out of the White House with a tractor trailer load full of documents and declassify them uh, as he does so, he doesn't have to file forms or tell anyone. So I've always thought, Mark, that uh, President Trump faced no criminal jeopardy for uh, for for what he did, if, if he indeed at the time he was president thought and, and did in his mind anyway, because to do in his mind is to actually do in this instance, declassify the documents. So, I mean, of course, um, convincing a jury that he didn't think about classifying the documents would, uh, of course, only declassify the documents would only work in D.C., which I guess if it ever comes to trial will be <laughs> in D.C. Now, so with that I in mind bet on that, by the way, yeah. Uh, with, with that in mind, what uh, I guess what the, the question then becomes is, has Biden made a rod for his own back by insisting uh, that the sheer irresponsibility of having these classified documents by Donald Trump uh, was uh, of grave importance? And now that he's been found to do the same thing, it'd be very difficult for him to put forward the legal analysis as you have just done. See, I don't think so, Mark, because what you've proposed is that the, the president then be held to a, a single standard and that hypocrisy somehow be punished in the body politic. And I don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, in fact, the opposite, I think, is true. I think it's it's simply ignored and celebrated. And the idea that there's a single standard, I, I don't see reflected uh, in reality. It, you know what? I specifically want to talk about that and about what uh, Mr. Merrick Garland will be doing a little later in the show, Scott. Um so we've had uh, we have had finally had some word from President Biden about these documents. He finally deigned to answer some questions, and he said he didn't know what documents were there. So this uh, now, poor Mr. Biden, he he certainly has a fantastic uh, defense. By the way, it's a it's a great defense, <laughs> isn't it? Now he, he certainly seems to have a track record of forgetting things. You know, like who he is, who the president is, which office he's running for, uh, which people are still alive, who he's apparently speaking to, uh, and of course the other day it was uh, mistaking the the Salvation Army for the Secret Service, which. Is, is all par for the course for a president, right? And it's not something to be shouted about within the pages of the media. But to say that he didn't know 
what documents were there. That kind of brings us back to uh, a situation, doesn't it, Scott? Because your point being that it's a, a bit of a nothing burger is that the president can declassify at any time. But Joe Biden until recently wasn't president. And these documents have been at his uh, office, the office that he used uh, at Penn, uh, the Biden Penn Center uh, since 2017. So he personally, I'm just trying to gather the, the intricacies on this. He personally could not have had the power because he was not the executive. He was the vice executive, but he could not have had the power to well, declassify those just, classified let's documents. Let's just stop right now and address sure. that for a second, which is, and I, and I don't necessarily agree with you. That he did not have the power to uh, declassify documents. We know for sure that while he's in office, the vice president has the power to declassify documents that he classified or that his office classified. That's okay. that that is expressed in executive orders, both proper and normal. Uh, yes. The the question about whether or not he has the power to declassify documents throughout the executive uh, remains open. I, I think that it's actually reasonable to suggest that he does. I mean, the point of having a vice president is, you know, presumably to do the job of the president when you know, the president can't do it. It's not just if he dies, you know, they're of course. <laughs> like, that's a lot of money to spend on just a, a, you know, a person in waiting, you know? So presumably he's able to exercise uh, powers that the executive delegates to him uh, or that are normal for somebody acting in the stead of the executive. Um, we don't have an inch thick body of laws discussing vice presidential declassification and when it's appropriate. Like the idea that all these things must be, you know, documented, uh, by like voluminous bodies of law or regulation, it, it's just not reflected in reality. So we have to go by sort of standard principles of good, you know, basically it's like corporate governance almost, right? Would the vice president of a corporation have the power to do something that the ordinary power that a, uh, the president of a corporation might do? It stands to reason to me that they would. But here's the here's the rub, Mark, and I think this is the funniest part of the whole thing. It's far less likely that biden has the power and trump does not in other words certainly without question the president has this power it is actually arguable whether the vice president does now i come out on the side that he does but it's a definitely a debatable point and so uh, i suspect we're going to see the opposite reflected in uh in major news stories uh, of the day though as is already happening and we're speaking with scott DiCasenza on the uh, classified documents are all the political rage and we'll be back with scott discussing what's good for the democrat goose i think you know the rest we'll be right back after this short break For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. And we're back with Scott DeCasenza, Legal Eagle at Liberty Nation, discussing the classified documents debacle of President Joe Biden. In the first part, we discussed the legality of a vice president, then Vice President Joe Biden, declassifying documents. But now, Scott, I'd like to move on to what position the Justice Department is in, the DOJ, under Merrick Garland. Because uh, it seems to me, and I did mention this earlier, that... Uh, Biden and the administration have really created a rod for their own back with this by so vociferously condemning Donald Trump and the Mar-a-Lago documents. They could certainly do no less than apply a full investigation to the documents found at the Penn Biden Center. Could they not? <laughs> is that a trick question? It is yeah. a trick question, Scott, because I think <laughs> yeah. you know where this is going. And it rhymes with 
Bibocracy. <laughs> yeah, the decision to prosecute, investigate, and prosecute is a political mm-hmm. one. Uh, that's yes. why Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, is a political appointee, and uh, it's the Biden Garland Justice Department, and they will investigate and do as they please. Or, if Mark, they decided that the matter was uh, so important that it had to be removed from politics, they could appoint an independent counsel to go ahead and go after it. Like they've now, done with uh, Donald Trump and Mr. Jack Smith, correct? That's right. They, the, the pit the pit bull, uh, as he's referred to, uh, the, absolutely. The, but This is the pit bull that was censured by the Supreme Court for his, uh, his, his bias in trying to bring down his enemies is that the same but it's just fair to send him after donald trump so you know the game is the game uh but the matter with the biden documents certainly does not rise to that level of uh, import and we know that because merrick garland did not appoint a uh an independent counsel to uh uh to investigate instead he farmed it out to uh, a a regular member of the justice department a u.s attorney um of illinois correct yeah yeah Mm -hmm. So obviously, I can. Interestingly I, enough, that person is a Trump appointee uh, to to the office, and there's only a couple uh, that were holdovers. So all what happens usually is when a new president, the president of a new party, comes in. Um, shortly thereafter, his swearing in, the the U.S. attorneys will offer their resignation, and as new new U.S. attorneys are appointed, they'll leave their offices. So I, it, I think it does bear mentioning that, that he is a Trump appointee. Yeah, I, I believe uh, in this particular instance, the gentleman in question, I, I forget his name off the top of my head. He, uh, he was he was actually lobbied to, to stay on because he was a unanimous uh, Senate confirmation, but he was involved in an ongoing investigation. So rather than new broom sweeps clean, as it were, he was uh, just kind of left in place to continue what he was working on at the time. Now, uh, do we have a time frame on the gentleman in question from Illinois' investigation? Mark, I think we'll we'll get a resolution by this. Uh, I think what we should expect a report in December of 2024. I think that's enough time to get all the facts in and and read the law and and come up with a. <laughs> I wonder what could be happening around that date. And by that same logic, Scott, do you expect a full report on D- Donald Trump and his issues around October 2024? I think that depends on whether he declares for uh, you know whether his presidential campaign becomes more serious or not. If and and the answer is yes, if yes, and no, 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 right? <laughs> All right. So I, I think something I want to discuss here, Scott, and I think it's really quite important is that we're seeing uh, so many arguments from the media. And of course, I know that law does not get decided within the annals of the fourth estate, but public opinion does. And that can obviously be a very powerful factor. And what we're seeing from the, let, let's be fair, let's call them the Biden-friendly uh, legacy media. They're saying that it's all apples and oranges, and what Trump did was immeasurably worse. We have uh, graphics uh, courteously provided by, not to us, of course, but just to the general public, of the differences between Biden and Trump. And we've also had the uh, the, the View host saying that, well, we give, we know that Trump is a liar, and therefore we don't trust him when he says what he says. But we believe that. Joe Biden is an honest man. I'm paraphrasing here of uh, Joy Behar. Um, Certainly. We're so therefore, of, uh, we give him the benefit Joy's of the doubt. You know, first thing I get up, what I do is look and see, you know, if she's 
if she's you know enlightened the nation anymore about you know how we should feel about uh, matters of national import. So I get it. She is, of course, the the Jim Cramer of the political world uh, in terms <laughs> of uh, if she says buy, time to sell. So. It, this is being argued in the papers, and they're saying it's apples and oranges, Scott, and I just don't see that it's apples and oranges. Is it apples and oranges or not, in your opinion? Unlike so many other commentators, I would like to see or learn more about the documents that were actually recovered before I answer the question. <laughs> the, According uh, to these same legacy media outlets, uh, and this is unconfirmed, of course, at this time, but according to... Legacy media outlets, I don't need to name them. There are the alphabet ones. Uh, they are saying that it's documents related to Ukraine uh, and the UK. And, you know, now, just those other... Again, Mark, with that old trope about uh, Biden and Ukraine. These 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 charges have been investigated and dismissed. Everybody knows that there's nothing there. Yes, by, by Joy Behar. <laughs> yeah, it's and, too delicious, uh, right? Joy Reid. When you hear that, like, the one thing that would make it just an electrified story is that they they concern Ukraine Burisma or some other thing that involves uh, the the private payments to uh, to the Biden family. So obviously that would make it far worse than some love letter from Kim Jong Il or Un to uh, to Donald Trump. Right? That's uh, which has been alleged that uh, the Trump had in the Mar-a-Lago. Yes, but as you pointed out earlier, uh, following up on this is always going to be a political decision. Now, uh, let's just talk very, very briefly for me about the the Penn Biden Center. What is that? Because it, it's a think tank in Washington D.C. Well, it's that, not a think tank. No, no. That so right it's away, a drool that, tank. That uh, is, is what I'm hearing online. <laughs> this is a, a a device that was created in order to house potential uh, Biden administration officials, which is what it did. Um, and uh, the reporting reflects that it's by and large, uh, you know, sort of vacant uh, at this point because of uh, so many people leaving to go to the Biden administration, which is what it, it was, you know, sort of created for that to give him some sort of uh, gravitas for for lack of a better word, you know, so he didn't just, you know, so essentially it's- somebody sitting in his basement. It's a, which is pretty much what he did for the campaign. So it's pretty much a clearinghouse for Biden cohorts. I mean, we know that Anthony Blinken also had an association in there, right? Yes. And also, Mark, if I were a cynic, I would say that also it was a giant payoff for Biden directing massive uh, funds, uh, research funds and others to the University of Pennsylvania. I think it's a truly sad day uh, for uh Quaker history. Um, it's, it was a fine institution uh, at one point, and it seems to have succumbed to uh, these political games. Well, I'm sure it's not that political because it's not as though it received tens of millions of dollars from China. Oh, I believe they actually did receive tens of millions of dollars from China, but I'm sure that'll be a story that will never see the light of the daily broadsheet. Scott DiCosenza, thanks ever so much for being with us here today. And we will be following this closely on the page of LibertyNation.com. Thanks, Mark. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear. 
for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. Kevin McCarthy has the reins and at first blush appears set on keeping his commitment to America and of course any promises made behind closed doors to the House Freedom Caucus in exchange for their support. But despite being the top dog in the House of Representatives, can the dominant majority GOP actually achieve anything of note? Well, we're lucky to have with us author James Fight to figure out the limitations of this newly won power. Now, Jim, this was a, a very hard-won battle for McCarthy uh, and was at times quite a touch-and-go situation. What did he give up to become Speaker of the House? Hey, Mark. Yeah, it was a... Uh... It was it was quite the battle. It was very interesting. Uh, Fifteen votes. That's the, you know, more than a well, almost a, almost a two hundred year record. Not quite mm-hmm. a full two hundred year record, but but close. And, and he had to give up a lot of things. Um, for one thing, we're we're back to, which by the way, this is how it used to be before Nancy Pelosi was yes. here. But we're back to where uh, just a single member of the House can uh, can call for a vote of no confidence in the Speaker. Um, yeah, that's, which, that's the motion to vacate, right? Yes, the motion to vacate. Thank you. Uh, which, of course, you know, that that's one of those things. You've probably heard the saying, you know, when a government gets power and it almost never gives it back up. That's yeah. that's one of those things where that had to be uh, that had to be one of the hard ones to let go of for McCarthy. But but that was sure. the status quo for a long time. Well, it was, wasn't it? Then uh, Nancy Pelosi, she, uh, I mean, you got to hand it to her regardless of what you, you think of uh, former Speaker Pelosi. She knew yeah, how you to. What, you either hand it to her or she'll just take it anyway. So. Absolutely right. That is exactly right. Yes. So I think uh, under Pelosi, it was, it had to be to, to call for a motion to vacate. It had to be uh, a majority of the governing party's leadership had to call for it, for it to make any difference at all right 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 so so and to, to really hammer down on that we're talking we're not talking about a majority of the house mm. which, what, what we're talking about now is one member of the house but what, what what we were talking about under nancy pelosi wasn't even a majority of the house which is 218 out of 435 it's uh it's a majority of the majority <laughs> you know yeah, so it completely cuts out any possibility of the uh, opposition party being able right. to like, push a vote know, on paper. Confidence. Technically, it's still possible, but it's not. You know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, so that was one of the, uh, the the big things that McCarthy gave up. He put it back to how it's been all along, pretty much, where just any single member can uh, put that motion forward. And I thought that for me, I, I actually wrote an article on this on uh, the page of LibertyNation.com, uh, and I compared it to an almost Damoclean moment with uh, the, the sort of Damocles hanging over McCarthy's head, uh, and he's unable to enjoy the, the fruits of high office and uh, the pleasures that come with the, pow- the powerful position, because always in the back of his mind, is a single person going to try and dethrone me? Uh, and will that person gain momentum? I think that's quite a worry. Right. We know the sort of Damocles was always a cautionary tale, and it's supposed to yes. be, and yeah, and that's yeah. how it's supposed to be. You know, yeah, we're, uh, we, we King, are King, King Dionysus the Second, I believe, was the uh, the the protagonist in that one. You know, we we call ourselves a a, a nation. You know, we we call ourselves a nation with the government of the people by the people, but uh, we aren't effectively self ruling if if whoever happens to be in power has absolute power. Mm. No accountability yeah. in any case. 
Okay, so that that was the the big one, I think, for, for yeah. McCarthy. That what was else probably did the biggest deal for for McCarthy? Uh, but but also, um, you know, the Freedom Caucus has been pushing for years to um, cut the budget. Yeah. They want a balanced budget within ten years. They want, uh, you know, they, they want to uh, to cut spending. They want to cut tax uh, taxation, and so um, and so a couple of the other carve outs he had to give was a guaranteed vote on on a couple of bills. One of those we, they actually passed, they passed it on Monday is to, uh, essentially gut the, uh, uh, inflation reduction act funding for the IRS, that whole, uh, $80 billion or so funding for the IRS. Right. So that's the one that makes the headlines as, uh, 87,000 IRS agents, which isn't right. technically true. It's just, yeah, that's not exactly. But, well, I mean, 000. you know, it's that, that's one of those, that's one of those kind of gray, foggy areas, Mark, mm-hmm. where that was the initial that that comes from an analysis of the money yes. and, and what that could what that could fund. And then, of course, immediately the Biden administration comes out and goes, no, 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 we're not talking about hiring eighty seven thousand armed enforcement agents. Um, we just we could. But it is very it's, reminiscent of that whole uh, the that crack whole pipes, safe, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the kids. The, there yeah. are no crack pipes in these kits, and then there were, in fact, crack. There pipes. were, in fact, crack pipes in the yeah. kits. Okay, yeah. So uh, that one actually went through on Monday uh, of Monday, this last week, and vote. at the time of recording, the fair tax uh, bill, which is back again in the House, we we don't have an answer on that yet. But well, right, guess what I want to talk about here, Jim. Is, we can see that uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, and the House Corks and the Republicans in general, they do seem to be quite united. And, you know, let's let's vote for these things that are now finally getting a light of day within the House of Representatives. But they're going to die there, aren't they? Not the people, the, the bills. <laughs> they're essentially going to die. Well, I don't know. Some of them might. You never know. But, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there are some uh, let, let's call them senior more senior right. uh, people within the, uh, the the caucus. I suppose that depends on how fast they get that term limit votes that vote. Absolutely. Anyways, so they're yeah, dead on no, the house those, floor, those aren't they? Are going to die in the house, uh, or, or rather, they're going to die outside of the house. Okay. Um, it is interesting though that that McCarthy is called immediately called. You know, we had this for the people that watched the speaker battle over the course of the first week of Congress. You kind of got the idea of like, boy, this is if this is an indication of what's to come, it's going to be a long, drawn out, bloody battle all the time. Nothing's ever going to get accomplished. Uh, and then a hundred and eighty degree turn on that, just mm-hmm. complete about face. The very next week, they hit the ground running. You know, <laughs> so uh, so like you said, they are they do seem united behind these issues now, and I I can't help but wonder how much of that is because a single Freedom Caucus member could could call for a vote to get rid of McCarthy, yep. but. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, so, these these bills, I feel confident that the uh, the the fair tax act will uh, will it, even if it doesn't fully pass the house, it'll get a lot of support. But even if it does, it's it's not going anywhere. You've still got a Democrat majority in the in the Senate. They're going to kill. They don't even have to kill. All they have to do is just not call a vote on it. But uh, it's just going to go there, and then that'll be the last it's ever heard of. Biden, the Biden administration had announced that uh, when when the House passed the uh, the the bill gutting the Inflation Reduction Act that uh, we'll, we'll definitely going to veto this if it gets to gets to my desk and it's it's like well okay yeah but it's never going to get there so like what well, yeah 
Yeah, it's not even going to make it that far because the, obviously, as you say, it's dead in the water when it lands in the Senate. But I think it's quite interesting, though, isn't it? Doesn't this also mean uh, now this is a situation that the Republicans have to accept and Republican supporters have to accept that uh, the House may now pass uh, a wild wish list of uh, America first uh, legislation that is going nowhere. I mean, it will die right. once it reaches the non-oxygenated air of the Senate. Um, exactly. But doesn't that also work the opposite direction? So, for example, if the, the the president wants something done through Congress or if Senate are putting crafting a version of their bill, doesn't that also mean that when they land in the House, that those ones will also drop suffer the same fate, as it were? It should, yeah. Uh, generally speaking, I mean, I mean, there will be some exceptions, but but the big uh, the big progressive, um, you know, Biden administration legislative agenda items, the the campaign, you know, the campaign promises, if you will, those are uh, those are dead in the house, or should be in any case, if this uh, if this Republican unity holds out, and w- which is which is a different situation from what we had in the previous Congress because we had. You know, we had a the Democrats had a majority in the House, which was enough to pass whatever they wanted to, essentially, which is kind of what the Republicans have now. They can pass basically whatever they want in the House. Uh, but they had that that dead heat in the Senate with a vice president, a Democrat vice president to to uh, break the tie. So anything that didn't require the 60 vote minimum in the in the, in the Senate was pretty much going to pass. I mean, you had, yeah. you know, a couple of Democrat senators that, that might push back on a few things. But for the most part, Biden was able to push a lot of stuff through the Biden administration and the Democrats. Uh, but that does stop now. That's what we should see for the most part is a legislative deadlock on on progressive agenda items. And I wonder if most of the country is not quite relieved at that thought. James Fight, thank you ever so much for joining us. Appreciate it, Marks. Good to be on. For your freedom and your liberty, Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. Regular Americans are still facing the shocking prices that come with exorbitant food price inflation. But perhaps no other product has suffered such slings and arrows as the noble, simple egg. It's time to ask whether Joe Biden is playing chicken with the U.S. economy. And we're joined by economist and author Andrew Moran, a man who tracks grocery bills like a pro, like no other, I would say, to figure out just what went wrong. So, Andrew, give us the, the basics on what a roller coaster ride it's been for eggs. Well, I'd say it's been an exciting time, I would say. Uh, some would say an exasperating time. Well, it could be also exhausting for the average consumer. But yeah, I mean, overall, food inflation... Well, they are quite <laughs> expensive, as you point out. So we're, we're going to do a whole 10-minute show on egg puns. For all Absolutely. Now, let's hear the details. What's happened with the noble egg? Yeah, well, well, the egg itself, I mean, that's up 49% over the last year. Uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average price for a carton of eggs is $3.58. But depending where you are in the country, you could be paying, you could be, you could be paying a lot more in California, for example, the average price is now more than $7. And of course, I mean, if you're paying different, if you're, you're buying different types of eggs, you're buying, you know, free range eggs, you're buying, you know, 
name uh, uh, generic brand eggs. You're going to buy, you know, pasture raised eggs. So you overall, I mean, everything's being hit across the board. Even the powdered eggs, the stuff, the stuff that you have a carton with, you pour it into the pan. That's also really expensive. So consumers can't even save money by shifting to that type of product. So, I mean, what's behind the rocketing prices, I guess, and uh, I guess more importantly for the American consumers, is there a, an egg plateau in, in sight? Well, to, to answer your second question, first, uh, some economists or market experts, they say that it's going to take at least three to six months before egg prices moderate. So there are three factors of what's going on with uh, egg prices. First of all, is a high cost of diesel. You know, farmers, machine, they need all the diesel they can for their machines. The second issue is animal feed. That's up about 8%, 9% uh, over the last year. And uh, sorry, diesel prices are also up about uh, 47% over the last year. And also the issues with the avian flu. That's been a, that's been a, mm. that's definitely decimated farmers over the last year. Uh, that's been a crucial issue. They've had to kill a lot of egg-laying hens. Uh, of the number, I think it's they've killed 58 million chickens and 43 of them were egg-laying hens. So that's that. Those yeah, are four, 43% of them were egg-laying hens or 43 million of them were egg-laying hens. 43 million according to the uh, USDA. So yeah, okay. so that, that's been a crucial issue in the egg, in the egg, uh, egg, egg business. I mean, it, it's quite shame, but it does seem to me that eggs are... Uh, a very, very good uh, indicator of food prices in general, right? Because they're very much a staple along with things like uh, bread or, I guess, flour stocks. Um, so you've got eggs, bread, meats. These are things that are uh, an integral part of everybody's diet. So what other food product prices would you say are breaking bad at present? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, look at all the crucial the food staples in your kitchen. Everything is up across the board. Flour is up 26%. Coffee is up 15%. Bread is up 16%. Milk is 15%. Even lettuce. A head of lettuce is, is up 20% over the last year. So there's no escape. The only respite you're seeing is actually surprisingly in the, in the beef and veal market. That's actually down about 5% over the past year. But according to many industry observers, they say that's, that, that's, that's not going to happen very much longer because the reason why it's down is that uh, farmers don't have enough water or feed to keep up with their cattle. So they're killing them off prematurely and they're not growing enough back to keep up with the demand that could uh, could resuscitate in 2023 and 2024. So beef price could go back up. But overall, food inflation at home is up 12% over the last year, and that's not good for the average person. So is uh, is the solution to follow Klaus Schwab of the <laughs> World Economic Forum and eat the bugs? You will eat the bugs, and that's, maybe that's why... This, well, and that's you'll, why you'll be happy, it. apparently, too, uh, <laughs> doing so. Have your cockroach milk, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that is a thing now. People might think you're uh, you're kidding with that. But yeah, th that is an actual thing. Cockroach milk. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I consider myself a, a very brave and worldly man when it comes to, to certain foods. But cockroach milk just seems somewhat beyond the pale to me. Now, Andrew, let's discuss the the broader economy for a moment. What smoke signals are you seeing? I mean, I mean, everything is deteriorating in the in the U.S. economy. I just had a conversation, of course, about the labor market. That's been that's that's on the decline. Uh, all the latest numbers point to recession. The fun, I mean, I mean, at least the financial market, it's not cratering as it was a year ago. But uh, I think you and I had a discussion off offline before about this, and that the financial market is usually a good indicator of a recession because it bottoms out heading into a recession as opposed to keep cratering during a recession. So I think that's so that's 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 another uh, aspect of what you could see over the coming year. And is there any economic news that uh, could be a bright spot on the horizon? Um, 
<laughs> I don't think so. Nothing's really pointing to upward trends. I mean, you look at the latest IBD TIPP economic optimism index, and it shows that nobody is optimistic about the US economy right now. That's still dreadful. Uh, the inflation data is coming out. I mean, that is that could probably revive some optimism in the in the broader economy. You saw the recent consumer inflation ex- expectations index from the FRB, uh, sorry, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and uh, it showed that the consumers anticipate inflation going down to 5% by the end of the year and then 3% over the next three years. So I, I guess that's that's one of the optimistic aspects you're seeing it. But of course, as you and I have discussed many times, in order to eradicate demand, you're, in order to eradicate inflation, you're going to have to eradicate demand, which then of course leads to recession. Yeah, and there's the uh, the idea that a recession would actually be a good thing in this situation, which seems a little hard to wrap one's head around. But uh, could you explain why that might be a good uh, result. Yes. Well, well, of course, I mean, it's not good for the average person to have a recession because then they lose their jobs. And then and then, and then, then you have a stagflation environment where you have stagnating growth and still high elevated inflation, plus rising borrowing costs. But at the same time, the recession is the antidote to all of this malinvestment and all this all this money printing that has occurred over the last year that's led to so, so much waste and, and, and malinvestment across the entire U.S. economy, help cleanse the system. Uh, but of course, unfortunately, the problem is that every time you have a recession, the government prevents it from trying to work its way through the system, whether it's through stimulus, whether it's through relief, or whether it's the Federal Reserve just injecting more liquidity into the system. So there's never actually a real recession that can that can help you know uh, clean the economy from all this uh, from all this waste that's occurred over the over the many years. It's just uh, two negative growth quarters to flatten the curve. I, I, I think that's the. <laughs> The new COVID economy uh, downplaying system. Now, well, what's what's interesting is that the the world uh, many. I, I mean, it's not just U.S. you know market analysts or U.S. data showing a recession. You, you just just the other day, the World Bank published a report saying that the global economy was perilously close to a recession, and it mm. said that U.S. growth would just be half a percent. But of course, they, that's down from what they said before uh, in their October estimate, which was one point seven percent. So either way, you're either going to have you know a steep economic decline, or you're going to have stagnating growth of the Obama days. I mean, so I guess in a way you're picking your poison of what's better for you. And what's better for the the average American? Let's take a, an average guy, a gal. Uh, they have a little bit of money in stocks and shares. They've almost paid off their house. Uh, they have a, a fairly regular income, which is obviously subject to, to market changes. What's the best outcome for that person? Well, they're seeing this that person who seems like they have a good life already. As long as they're living within their means and they're not spending lavishly, that they own their own homes already paid off. My God, that's I envy that. I, I said almost <laughs> paid off. You know, <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, it depends. Of course, I mean, if they have a twenty-year mortgage rate and they have to refinance in a five-year mark, then of course they're going to be paying higher mortgage rates and they're still dealing with higher inflation. So, I mean, if they're trimming their bills and you know trying to live within their means and their house is nearly paid off and they're enjoying a fairly modest income, which let's say hypothetically the medium income in the US is about $57,000 a year if they're earning around that i mean that's tough but they, it's manageable to, to handle that but i mean it's, it's not ideal just because of what the government's done to your to purchasing power but if you're investing in stocks for now you're probably in, in a good position to buy the dip and build your positions because as i said earlier you know with the federal reserve expected to cut interest rates and you know the market perhaps reaching a bottom you're going to start you know adding more to your assets uh, your asset values Uh, And that's what we'll be looking out for. Andrew Moran, thanks ever so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me.
And that's about all we have time for on this week's edition of Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'd like to thank our guests, Scott D. Casenza, Andrew Moran, and James Fight for taking the time to join us. And of course, extend my thanks to you, the listeners at home, for tuning in and joining us week in, week out. I'd like to leave you with a, just a simple quote from Mr. Noel Coward, who said, It's discouraging to think how many people are shocked by honesty and how few by deceit. I think that's quite applicable to the situation we find ourselves in. So many people are so prepared to accept that one person did wrong, the other person can do no wrong, based purely on their political standpoint. I think that's something that we all need to look at within ourselves and perhaps apply a little critical thinking to those kind of opinions. Or perhaps if we all just understood what George Orwell wrote in Shooting an Elephant when he said, he wears a mask and his face grows to fit it. Just something to think about. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.